morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis, and this is BFC Live for Friday, May 15th, 2020. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis. Since 2017, through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real-world and virtual events, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. Before we get into our conversation with Afshin Musavian of Responsible Cannabis Use, a few Business of Cannabis announcements. Later today, join us for our Friday Lunch and Learn with Ian Dick of Shopify. This is the first of a four-part series called Creating an Omnichannel Cannabis Retail Experience presented by Shopify. It'll highlight how retailers are setting up to be future-proof uh, through thoughtful applications of this leading Canadian technology. Next Friday, on May 22nd, Alan Brockstein, who is the 420 investor and the founder of New Cannabis Ventures, will be on our Lunch and Learn uh, next Friday, talking about the state of cannabis investing. And just announced on the evening of May 26th, we'll be back with the relaunch of our networking series called Cannabis Forward. On the 26th, thanks to our great partnership with Robic, a law firm based in Montreal, we'll have a coast-to-coast retail perspective. We will feature Jeremy Jacob from Village Bloomery, Nathan Meisen from Fire & Flower, Lara Wood from uh, Cannabis New Brunswick, and Mimi Lamb from Supret, as well as a presentation from Liz Tahura from BDSA. You can visit businessofcannabis.ca, go to the events page, find out more about that event, and register there as well. Uh, there will be, as part of that event, a great face-to-face virtual networking opportunity, which we are launching uh, as well. So join us there. As always, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Next week on BFC Live, it's going to be a great and busy week. Uh, you will have a check-in with Motif Labs. We'll talk energy savings and think money savings with Potec Power, uh, and we'll be talking to at least one new retailer that's opened up during this unique time, likely two. Stay tuned for that. As always, thank you to our partners, Cannabis at Work and Cannabis Benchmarks for their ongoing support of Business of Cannabis. Now on to our conversation with Afshin Musavian of Responsible Cannabis Use. Enjoy that, and if you are Canadian, enjoy the long weekend. Thanks. Afshin Musavian, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you are the CEO of Responsible Cannabis Use. You guys have been on before uh, as you've had surveys come out of the field to talk about what Canadians know, don't know about different regulations, different products on the shelves. As a prelude to this conversation, you and I were talking a month ago as part of our Cannabis and Technology Retail Tech event. And specifically, we're talking about consumer education. And the industry, and we've been talking about it almost nonstop for two months, what sort of cannabis retail, specifically in Ontario, means for the industry, means for consumers, means for everything, right? Um, uh, but we've been missing, I think, uh, an important gap, which is what consumers know about any of this. And you guys just came out of the field with some, some, uh, a survey. I want to talk to you about that. What are we seeing about what consumers know about how to access legal cannabis right now? So just to give you a better background on how we did this survey, this is a survey that runs on social media and basically challenges people within each province to take a simple quiz about what they think they know with regards to cannabis, legal cannabis within their region. In this scenario, we ask questions like, <clears throat> well, do you know if retail stores are open 
Uh, and it was important, obviously, because at the time we were talking, uh, we were still at the start of all the essential services and access to cannabis was there, then it was taken away, then came back again. And we are keeping up with it, but like you mentioned, an average consumer is not trying to keep up with that. There's a ton of other uh, COVID articles to read. Uh, so <laughs> what we gathered over roughly about a week, week and a half was uh, 2,000 people that, just over 2,000 people that participated. And right off the bat, the most interesting part was 75% did not know what is actually available in the region. And that's a combination of uh, roughly around you know 40% that just didn't know and the other 35% that got the wrong option. So when you look at this, you realize that, wow, well, if we don't know where to buy, what are we actually going to do? And we talk about this often. We say that our goal for RCU and Can I Know, for instance, is to talk about what's legal in a region and incentivize purchasing from legal. We start off with the first layer of education, but the reality right now is when we take a look at consumers, you get consumers that comment and say, it's okay that it's not available. I don't want it to be available. I'm going to continue going to my dealer. You have consumers that say, oh, I didn't know, wish I did know. And consumers that say, yeah, it's been there, but like, you know, I, I've been sort of keeping up with it, which is a very, very, very tiny percentage of the population. Um, another thing that came out that was interesting was for those that were buying, for instance, in Ontario, 50% didn't know that if they're buying from the government store, uh, the OCS, they had to go pick it up at the post office. Now, OCS has sort of uh, been providing that service and then now recently added the home, uh, home delivery again, uh, which is done through uh, Canada Post. But when it wasn't available and people are ordering this thing, thinking that the cannabis is going to come home to them and they're going to go pick it up at their door or at the concierge, now they have to pick up and go to the post office, which come with some of this counterintuitive with the whole social distancing. Um, another thing that came up, which I think you'll find interesting is, uh, Three out of 10 people don't know. So 30% of the people don't know how to tell the stores apart. So if they're walking down the street and they're seeing someone's been selling cannabis, they will walk in there thinking that it's a legal cannabis store. And it's interesting because in that we got into some comments on back and forth. And for us, the idea that cannabis needs to be prepackaged is a very clear, yeah, 100%. But an average consumer, when we were using the example of no hands in jars, like, what do you mean? Well, how are they supposed to capture it? Yeah, maybe they're wearing gloves. It's like, no, 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 we cannot be unpackaged. Uh, those are some of the interesting insights we've been capturing so far. Yeah, and I, it comes as, I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, I don't think, because, you know, there's obviously, there's always a disconnect between what people in a sector know and what general consumers know. You layer upon that, I think, fairly confused, a confusing time writ large. Uh, confusing methods to get cannabis. And then even if you know that now you can get cannabis online from Ontario Cannabis Store, if you go to a, a search right now and just search cannabis delivery, you know, most of the time you're not going to get the Ontario Cannabis Store popping up, having bought a Google, like, you know, it's just not, you know, the, the, the uh, unregulated market has been much more sophisticated, I think, online, mostly because regulated cannabis has not been online. And so how do we actually bridge that gap? And you have a digital background, right? Like how would you, not advising people, but like, is there a time where the regulated industry catches up? And if there is, what is, what is the roadmap between now and then look like? Mm -hmm. So the question really is on, on the retailer side, are they interested in going online? And I think everyone will say yes. 
uh, regional governments allowing them that just empowers them to provide easier access. Something that also came out was 40% of the people that took this survey, when they were asked, what is your most preferred method? They asked for home delivery. That's 40%. So, you know, even if we say that <clears throat> we, are leaving, uh, we are sort of leaving it in, in the context of, okay, so an individual now needs to go online and is really interested in buying from legal, how are they supposed to know it? One of the simplest things that came out with our partnership with uh, Merco was their advice that, well, online only legal operators can actually transact with a credit card. So that's one way to figure it out. If you're being asked to pay with Bitcoin or uh, Interact or eTransfer, then obviously those are should feel a bit, well, that's a weird payment option. And that should give you the first signal of them not being a legal store. What we do here though over time, time and time again, after all of our surveys is that a percentage of the population, which has been using uh, gray markets or you know, legacy market or whatever you want to call it, uh, they are very much price sensitive. So all of these new options are great, but they're still saying until you can sell me a gram for $5, I'm not buying from legal. So I think it's interesting to take a look at the overall spectrum and the advice would be, you're building these technologies not for that demographic, you're building it for the other ones that were looking to try new, wanting to try from legal, wanting to know what's in their packaging, wanting to get product consistency. And those audiences, like any one of us, they will go and Google it and try to find a solution online before they do anything else. Yeah. So all these efforts are actually building on the future of what we'll hopefully see within the retail cannabis. Yeah. Anything in the survey that, that uh, not that that's not hopeful. I mean, in many respects, that just means there's a bigger market to go grab of people that don't know. Certainly that's encouraging, but anything where, what that surprised you um, that, that we may not be thinking about that, oh, people do know this and maybe we thought maybe they didn't or and anything else surprising aside from sort of a general, uh, not unawareness, but lack of sort of clear path for consumers. Anything else that, that sticks out? Yeah, so we have to still summarize some of it because the survey is still going on. But one of the other things that stood out was um, the interesting fact that people were uh, only three out of, we had asked people actually if you would be interested in buying more than 30 grams so that you could reduce the amount of frequency of going to the stores. And only 30% of them said yes. But it's important that 14, like we also recognize that only 14% thought that the current 30 grams is sufficient and you know, enough of a purchasing limit. We often, when we ask these questions, we get people saying, well, there is no limit on alcohol. And those are all fair arguments. But in this scenario, uh, it's interesting to see that people's buying behaviors are also, some people are buying in bulk and using it all. We know that consumption has increased during this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but those are some of the other stuff came out, but I'll be happy to share the rest of it with you once we've completed the rest Yeah, of it's interesting because we, we had on Sherry Mara, I mean, around the same time in mid-April about what people were buying. We also had on Mimi Lamb from Superette. And both of them, plus sort of data analytics people, you know, that, that, that uh, look at um, consumer buying habits sort of not only in Canada, but across the states. Certainly in March and April, people were buying in, in bulk because they weren't, because it was really cyclical related to the news, right? Like this is going to shut down, therefore go get it. And on the homepage of the Ontario Cannabis Store was a 30 gram package. I think it was from uh, Pearson Farms, right? So like, is that a factor of people stocking up or is it? That's where they're landing on the Ontario Cannabis Store when they go to make a purchase. I mean, it's really, I think it'll take time to figure out what things have been accelerated in terms of consumer behavior, what things are just a blip because we're in a special time, or which things will be much more long-term. I, I mean, it's obviously too soon to tell, but it is interesting to sort of think about and project, especially given the information you're talking about as people's knowledge gap 
closes. Absolutely. I mean, in an ideal world, every single retailer is able to educate and inform the two to five kilometer radius around them and just looks after that because as access becomes more prevalent in Ontario, hopefully in other provinces, already, some of them are already there, um, we'll see these little tiny communities that are really being held up by these retailers that have been working so hard at it. So yeah. that would be good to look forward to. And it's also that really will be the education point. Of course, it'll always be online, but as we sort of open things up and even as there's sort of curbside delivery, I, I do feel like these neighborhood shops and whether they are neighborhood like one-offs or you know the Fire and Flowers, Tokyo Smokes and Hobos of the world, you know, they're obviously more than one, but they have a responsibility on a store-to-store -store level and a neighborhood level to actually play that role. And I think all the benefit to them if they do it, because then people know where they can get it. They know their local shop. And I don't know, we, we checked in with a hobo um, uh, this week, and, you know, they're opening lots of new stores, including the one closest to my home. So I wanted to make sure I made friends with the hobo folks. But but the idea that they're going to be, a, you know, a, a series and a network and a, and um, sort of a, a mesh network of local retailers that are all looking to do a circle around their, their stores and sort of build from there. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. We're seeing this Queen West area and like remember Richmond 15, 20 years ago was all the clubs and bars. Well, they're still got the bars, the clubs have moved out, but and we're starting to see, like you put it, uh, I think you called it Cannabis Alley, right? Because <laughs> the Hobo's uh, other location is right on John Street, right by, uh, where the theater used to be. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and well, you know, that this is very provincial in all sense of the words, but but I think when people do start sort of moving around, certainly the downtown core of Toronto, but also in the suburban neighborhoods and even rural communities in Ontario, it's going to look different, not only because COVID has an impact of sort of retailers that have succeeded or failed, unfortunately, but there was going to be a much different proliferation of cannabis stores that they may not have expected when they went into sort of social distancing and when they came out, I just know on Bloor Street where, near where I live, you know, there, there's four new shops that, that will certainly have storefronts now, but maybe open by the time you know, people start sort of making their way out in sort of June, July and August. Like it's, it's gonna look a lot different. And I think that goes to your point about this, the survey, people are gonna know a lot more about it, I hope, and be able to differentiate between what is a sort of legal store and what is sort of a legacy store, which will be interesting to sort of continue to survey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because we're seeing that uh, for this particular uh, survey, we had our partners, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Merkel Payments as well as Fire and Flower, but we're seeing everyone in their own is trying to really help and rally uh, their local communities around buying from legal and being informed of legal. Like I said, I think ultimately price does play a big role, but we all know experience does too. So um, there's a lot to be won by the industry there. Yeah. Afshin, thanks so much for the work that uh, you and Responsible Cannabis Use are doing. We always uh, enjoy the survey results uh, near, and end, near, near in the midpoint of them. So thanks for joining us and we'll connect with you down the road. Thank you so much for uh, having us again, Jay. You got it. <laughs>